Welcome in to another edition of NBA Sound System. Gil McGregor here with Scott Rafferty. And Scott, I'd wish you a happy new year, but that would be just for show. I've already done that. We've talked like every day of the new year, but I will wish our listeners a happy new year. Welcome back to the first episode of 2023. And it's been a busy year already. We're just like three and a half, four days into the year. And there has been a lot going on. Um, Scott, like, well, what do we even make of, of what's going on in the NBA right now? I feel like I need another vacation. Like, I, I'm exhausted <laughs> already. There's been every night history is made. I, I need another break. No, it, it's, it's been awesome lately. The, we, we talked, I mean, it was last week, right? Or a couple of weeks ago that we were talking about the, the best players right now and the best players in five years' time and talking about how good of a place that the league is in. And sure enough, now we get 50 bombs dropped every single night. Um, it, it's just crazy. And a reminder just of how exceptional the talent is right now. I know it's ridiculous. Like I said, we're recording this on January 4th ahead of the games on that night. So this definitely could change uh, as soon as we publish this. But um, there have been four 50 point games over the last four days since the last time you and I talked on here. Luka Doncic had a 60 point game to go along with 21 rebounds and 10 assists. Um, Clay Thompson had a 54-point game. Giannis Antetokounmpo, new career high, 55 points. But, of course, I can't uh, save the best for last. Donovan Mitchell, 71 points to go along with 11 assists and 8 rebounds in an overtime win over the Bulls. The Cavs were shorthanded before you go and say why they need overtime to beat the Bulls. It's because they were shorthanded uh, on that night. But it's just wild to see what's going on in the NBA. And let me not forget he didn't meet the 50-point the, the plateau, but LeBron James celebrates his 38th birthday with 47 points. And then as an encore comes to Charlotte, scores 43 points a game. I was fortunate enough to be on hand to see. So we see him score 90 points over two games at the age of 38, reminding us, like you said, why he's still in that top 10. So when you look at these performances, I feel like Donovan Mitchell is – Probably the most impressive, but the fact that that's even a question to ask with respect to Luka Doncic's 60-point performance, and he scored 51 again a few days later, uh, not to mention. What do you make of these uh, performances? I feel like a lot of people are criticizing the defense that is being played in the NBA right now, but I do think it's a little more complex than that. I think you know the the guys we named are really good basketball players. It's not just easy to stop those guys. No, I, I think it's a combination of things. I think one, obviously, the the boom in three-point shooting is a huge factor. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams now have four players, sometimes five players on the court at all times who can space the floor. It's just there's so much more space to work with. And I think the second factor, and even Ian Levy wrote this on, on Fansided, and it's worth checking out. Um, you know, teams are just leaning more on singular players more than it feels like ever before. Like, all these guys are posting... You know, historic usage rates, Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell. And the game, when you combine those two things, these super talented superstars who can get their own bucket pretty much at every single level can also make, you know, at the very least, the simple kick out when guys collapse with all that shooting around them. Um, I, I think that's kind of the recipe for these just these just booming totals that we're seeing right now. But look, I, I think it's really easy to say, like, no team plays defense anymore. Defense is just really, really hard in today's NBA, yeah. right? Because of all those factors again. Um, you know, the amount that teams switch, all these like pick and rolls when they're hunting players. Again, the three-point shooting, the spaces they can play in. There's just so much talent from top to bottom on all these rosters. So 
Um, you know, I, I think some of the the rule changes that they've made over the last few years obviously helps. You know, we're, we're seeing like the take foul now, which leads to what feels like a few more free throws every single night. Like that that adds to the point total. But I, I, I do think more than anything, it's kind of a testament to just how incredible that the talent is um, in the league right now from, again, at the top with these superstars, but also, you know, these role players too. No, I think it's interesting. And I, and I like the fact that you talked about three-point shooting on another level to say that it's not necessarily just guys who are shooting threes. Like Giannis had 55 and went 0 for 3 from beyond the arc, but the floor spacing allows Giannis to be Giannis. He went 20 for 33 from the field and 20 for 30 from inside the arc, and also 15 for 16 uh, from the free throw line, which is big for him because we've known um, his up and down history at the free throw line. He's, he's a much better free throw shooter in the regular season more often than not. Um, but just looking at at the scope of the these performances and, and, and what it means in the grand scheme and really just seeing guys do things that when you get mentioned and say, this is the first person since Wilt Chamberlain to do this. Donovan Mitchell uh, accounted for the most points in a game since Wilt Chamberlain accounted for 104 in a game. Donovan Mitchell was responsible for 99 points in that game. Luka Doncic, uh, a 60-point 20 rebound, triple double. Nobody's ever done that before. So to see things uh, and guys, you, you kind of feels cliche. Sometimes we talk about, you know, when guys push the game forward or take the game to a, another level, but that's literally what that means when their guys are putting themselves in that position, in the place, in that space with Wilt Chamberlain, who has these unbreakable records, seemingly unbreakable records. And then you talk about LeBron James doing this in year 20. And now he's coming ever so close to passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, for first all-time on the NBA's scoring list and the fact that he's just you know putting up 40 balls every now and then he might get there much faster than we anticipated. So um, thinking about that and, and talking about those guys and, and talking about the level of talent, um, I feel like I think it was last week or two weeks ago when we were talking about the Christmas schedule. You talked about how the NBA schedule just kind of is flying by. And before we know it, it's going to be all-star break. And all-star voting has opened up a few weeks ago. It's ongoing for a while now. And talking about this talent, they're making it hard. There are a few tough calls um, you know, in the NBA this year. And there are going to be some guys who are all-star starter caliber who aren't going to start in the all-star game this year. We're a little over a month away from All-Star Weekend 2023 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah, you heard that right. Former home of the Olympics and former home of All-Star Weekend. So um, I think it's a pretty big deal. They're worthy of hosting All-Star Weekend. But as we kind of approach that All-Star game, what are your thoughts about All-Star? And I guess I should ask the question straightforward. Who do you think should start in the 2023 NBA All-Star game? Well, Utah might be getting uh, their own All-Star this year, too, with the way Larry Markkinen continues to play. So, unfortunately for him, uh, he got a, a game winner uh, wiped away. Uh, that was just a, a hair too late the other night. But that, that was also an incredible play. And and something that just, I feel like, didn't get talked about the day after because we everyone was talking about Giannis. Uh, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I, I think the best way to start with this is to just go conference by conference, right? Okay, so yeah, for sure, for sure. For me, for me I, I think, let's go with the West. I think there are two absolute locks and no-brainers for me, yeah. right? Yeah. One, one is Luka Doncic. We, we've talked yes. about him already. I actually did. I picked my 10 starters when voting began just before Christmas Day. If anything, I, I had him as one of the, the starters then. If anything, he's only strengthened his case. He has like three 50-point games over the last week alone. As you said, he had that historic game, which 
the next day or the next game was against the Spurs and Greg Popovich even talked about it and he was in awe. You know, like if you're impressing Greg Popovich, who has seen everything right. in the NBA, like you know you've done something right. So uh, Luke is an easy one for me. The other one is Jokic. And no, I'm not being a homer. This guy is the back-to-back MVP. Uh, a, third, a third straight MVP is a real, real, real possibility right now. He, he's just having an incredible season. I looked this up yesterday. Of all the players in NBA history who have averaged 25 points or more in a single season, Jokic right now ranks first amongst all those players in true shooting percentage, which is field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and free throw percentage combined. It's supposed to be like the the right, you know, the 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 best way to measure how efficient someone is scoring. Like he's just not missing anything. Um, he is the best passer in the league. I, I, personally, I think he is. What he does, how he drives that offense, for me, is just a no-brainer. Um, let's start with that. What do you think of those two picks? Are you on the same page with me there? I'm definitely on the same page uh, uh, with you there. I definitely want to, to to key in a little bit on Jokic. I feel like we've talked about this a little bit before. You mentioned the potential of him winning MVP again. I, I really do think that there is a clear pathway for that to happen now. I, I talked about it a little bit in a few weeks ago and and that was before the Celtics you know fell off a little bit and we'll talk a little more about them uh, later I'm sure but I do feel like there's a path opening up with Jokic because of what he's been doing this season the fact that you know he talked about averaging over 25 points he's also averaging just under 11 rebounds per game and he's at nine and a half assists per game I think at Christmas he was at 9.2 so we're seeing that assist figure slowly creep up there and and I know you know what I'm getting at because I've said it to you a couple of times I think if if Jokic averages a triple double this year that is going to get the shock value that kind of does something uh, does does away uh, with the voter fatigue a little bit and I think people will say okay this guy's averaging a triple double from the center position super efficient look at the shot charts I'm sure you'd be proud of me to to, to mention that um, but also the fact that this Nuggets team you know is at the top of the Western Conference and they could finish with the number one seed the best record in the league or a top three record in the league so you know before we get too ahead of ourselves to the M- MVP talk if you're in MVP conversations you should definitely Definitely be a, an all-star starter, at least uh, as far as Jokic goes in the Western Conference. I actually had one more guy written down as a lock in the West. You might not be surprised to hear it. And, and maybe, you know, uh, this goes against what I'm saying about team success. But I think LeBron James, as long as there will be an all-star game, as long as LeBron James is in the NBA, you just you just, you just just fix in a spot. I, I won't go as far as to say as he'll be the captain, but... We've seen it every year that they've had all-star captains, so I would not be surprised if LeBron uh, is, again, the captain of Team LeBron this year. You talked about the the scoring surge that he's been on. He's up to 29 points per game this season. He had a scoring surge last year uh, that was pretty similar to this, and, and it's just interesting to look at his body of work as his game continues to age and see how he kind of – approaches the game differently and dominates in a different way based on the limitations that he admittedly has now. And he hasn't gotten the, the three ball going as well. I mentioned he had 43 in Charlotte. He went 0 for 5 from 3 that game. So um, I look at LeBron, his body of work, I just feel like you got to carve out a spot in the front court. And the front court in the Western Conference is kind of thin anyway, so um, you, you can you – can, uh, relatively thin compared to the other conference. So I, I think um, LeBron is, is a lock. I don't know if that's going too far for a team that's four or five games under 500, but I, I think LeBron's in there. 
I'll plug this for you. You wrote a great piece for the Sporting News today. Uh, you saw him in Charlotte, as you said. He went off in that game. And you wrote about how even in year 20, he's the best show in the NBA. Just how much fans respond to him, what he's able to do on the court still. Um, he's a showman. He lives for the moment. Uh, that was a great piece. So everyone should go check that out. I, look, I, I didn't have him as like a stone cold lock like the other guys. Oh, okay. He was still an easy decision for me, though. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I did this, when All-Star voting started, I actually had Anthony Davis here. Anthony Davis, I mean, let's not forget, was playing at an MVP level. He was everywhere defensively. Yeah. He'd, he'd gone to a new level offensively. They were going to him so much. Um, but unfortunately, he suffered that that foot injury that's going to keep that's kept him sidelined for a while now, is going to keep him sidelined for even longer. And I think LeBron kind of in that gap. Look, the Lakers haven't been great, right? But LeBron just continues to defy father time. Like, I, I don't know what situation they'd be with if he if he wasn't doing this right now. Like, they needed him to go off for 40 points in back-to-back games to win two straight games. You know, like, it's it's not great in L.A., but LeBron, again, what he's able to do at this stage of his career, I feel like you just have to continuously remind yourself that, like, you know, this is, this is not normal by any stretch of the imagination. Like... The, you look at that draft class that he came in, everyone's gone, right? Like <laughs> a lot of those players were retired for years now and he's still playing at a level where we're like, yeah, he's an all-star starter and yeah, he might be all NBA this season. Um, what he's able to do is just incredible. So for me, that was a pretty easy choice. I will say the other, the last front court spot for me was also pretty easy. Unfortunately, he now has an injury. He's going to be out for a few weeks. I have Zion Williamson here. He was an all-star a couple years ago. He missed all of last season with the injury. But this year, he's been better than he was even two years ago. Um, he, he, he's a six-foot-six power forward who is the most dominant or the second most dominant, however you want to frame it, after Giannis, paint scorer in the league. No one can stop Zion from doing what he wants to do, even though he favors his left hand and only scores at the basket. The guy is too quick uh, for, for, for anyone who's bigger than him, and he's too strong for anyone smaller than him. That game against the Timberwolves a week ago when he scored 43 points was just a masterclass. Like, you look at his shot chart, you'd be like, yeah, he just scored a bunch of layups and dunks. And yeah, he did. But it's also like, that's simplifying it. Like, this guy is taking off. I broke down one play on Sporting News. He's taking off from the free throw line in the middle of a game for a layup, right? And it's one of those things that you have to actually, like, slow down and look and be like, this guy took off from the free throw line, jumped around Rudy Gobert, and just laid the ball in. Um, he, he's just a tremendous talent. And by the way, he scores so efficiently. He's a great passer. The Pelicans have been an awesome team this year. They're in that running for the number one seed. We'll see how they do over these next few weeks without Zion and Brandon Ingram, who's not back yet. Mm-hmm. But for me, Zion right now is also a pretty choice for that that last front court spot. Yeah, I, I appreciate the shout to, to AD because it's easy to forget how dominant that he was uh, during that stretch. And I say that to say, um, when I was thinking about this final spot in the front court, I just t- I wrote down AD slash Zion. I feel like whichever one of those two guys is healthy first uh, deserves that spot. You talk about what Zion is doing and and saying that he finishes around the rim, and and, and that's that's right. Like that's simplifying to say, oh, he just is, is good at, at layups or he's finishing easy buckets. Like the degree of difficulty on, on some of these shots around the rim is extremely high, and, and it's a high level of, of skill that he shows when he's finishing around the rim, finishing over the towers. Because again, like you said, he isn't the tallest guy, but he is super athletic. But he doesn't just use that athleticism to jump over you. It's to go up and under, go around the rim. And he has a great touch uh, around the basket as well. So for Zion to be doing that and, and kind of coming into 
his own uh, again in a different level at the age of 22. Um, he's a guy who I would not be surprised. Um, I'm surprised, and, and this, this feels weird to say, I'm surprised it took him that long to score 40 in a game. That 43-point game was his new uh, career high. I would not be surprised if he puts up 50 uh, by the end of the year. Now, you and I are talking the first week of January Zion is going to be reevaluated in three weeks, which isn't cutting it that close uh, for All-Star. There'll be another about three weeks uh, ahead. And and again, I know the fan vote is a big part of it. So we'll see um, who the fans decide to side with between Zion Williamson and Anthony Davis. I know who New Orleans fans are siding with 100 times out of 100 on that one, um, even if Zion wasn't a member of the Pelicans roster. Now, um, it seems like we're in agreement on the front court for the most part. Um, but the backcourt, there are a couple of names that I wrote down. Again, injury is making this a little bit difficult. It would have been a no-brainer had Steph Curry not been out uh, since the middle of December. I-, I guess it's a two-parter because, one, there are a couple of names that deserve consideration outside of Steph. But I wonder how long of an absence is too long before we say, okay, it maybe it just needs to be somebody else. Because, again, Steph's been out for about three weeks since the middle of December, but he could come back in two weeks' time and be back around the time that Zion's back or before Zion. So uh, I feel like if Steph is back in action, uh, it's him. But there are some other guys worthy, and it's actually kind of a harder decision than I realized it would be. It's really hard. I, I had Steph here pretty easily the last time I did this, so before Christmas. Right now, I, I find myself siding with with Ja. Uh, just mm-hmm. because of those games missed by Steph. Jaw's also been really, really good since Steph has been out. Mm-hmm. 30-point games, double-doubles. He just had a career high in assists. He is the driving force on a Grizzlies team that is in the running for the number one seed. Um, as of this recording, they're only half a game behind the Nuggets for the number one seed in the Western Conference. He's just having another fantastic season. Uh, and I think, you know, he was in the running with this when I when I did it just before Christmas. And now I, I think I would give him the slight edge over Steph, um, depending on how much more time he does miss. It also helps that Jaw is one of the most entertaining, if not the most entertaining watch in the NBA, right? Like the guy is just, he's just box office. I'm sorry. So is Steph, by the way. Like if you're doing the most entertaining starting starting 10 in the All-Star game, they're probably both on it, Um, Steph and Jaw. Those guys are just that much fun. Uh, But yeah, I I do find myself siding with Jaw for right now. Steph can probably work his way back into that depending on how much time he misses. But like you said, this is tough. Um, Devin Booker is another guy who... Right now, is out with injury. He's having a fantastic season. And by the way, the Suns are really struggling since he went down. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, Mm -hmm. He deserves a mention here. I think he's going to end up probably missing too much time um, to start just given the amount of talent as well at this position. And then there's Shea Gilgis Alexander, who, Gil, you know, I love. We've both been on the Shea bandwagon for a while now. He's having the best season of his career. It's not even close. Sleepwalking his way into 30 points on a nightly basis. If you're not watching him in Oklahoma City, you're missing out. He is one of the most unique players, I think, in the NBA right now. Just the way he's able to score. He's slow. He's shifty. He can get to anywhere. Mid-range, floater range, at the basket. And he's playing on a Thunder team that, by the way, they're young. They're not a great three-point shooting team. We talked about spacing. Like, he doesn't have a ton of space to work with on most nights. Um, you know, Josh Giddy has, has, is, has a, a really bright future, and he's taken some strides this year. But they also don't have that many more creators outside of those two. So what Shea's been able to do on this Thunder team with the talent around him, and actually, like they're competitive. Like I, right. I don't, I still don't think they're going to make the play in this year. But for a team that's very clearly focused on the future, getting all these draft assets right, uh, uh, getting all these draft assets, 
for them to be competitive, I think, again, it's just a testament to how good Shea is. So he, he was a really tough snub for me. I think he's going to be an all-star this year. He deserves it. But I, I still think I'd probably go with Jaw over those guys right now. Yeah, and it's funny to think about with with Shea talking about team success because that the Thunder kind of have a better record than the Lakers right now. Um, but obviously, it, it's different. <laughs> and it's, you talk, you got you got to talk about uh, people who he's in competition with. But I do think it's like kind of a clear tiered list. I think it's clearly Ja if Steph can't get back in time because we talked about we were talking about Steph being better than his best version of himself. Uh, you know, to, to start this season. So it was it was a no-brainer to, to have Steph and Luke, and it kind of feels like that's going to be the case in the Western Conference unless Ja uh, makes a leap, which I'm not counting out. Um, but that being said, I, I do think it is Ja right now because of what he's capable of doing, the, the way he can elicit the oohs and ahs from the crowd, the way he is a box office guy. And thinking about Devin Booker, because I almost – I didn't almost forget about him, but I almost forgot about the fact that, you know, it wasn't that long ago that he scored 58 in the game very efficiently at, at that and, and looking at the way the, the Suns team definitely needs him. He will get his all-star nod a, as a reserve. Um, and, and again, to, to talk about Shea, I, I'm right there with you. We were big on Shea. I'm thinking back to, you know, watching him as a rookie with the Clippers, um, you know, getting some very unique playoff experience as a lottery pick that he got a chance to play as an eight seed with that Clippers team and seeing flashes of, of what he could be. But I never thought that what he could be is a 30 point per game score. And and even at the beginning part of this year, I thought, you know, he's, he's kind of hot to start the season. This is so probably, you know, cool off a little bit to, to back to the 25, 26 range. But now the sample size is, is so big. It really looks like this, this guy might average over 30 a game uh, this year. And, and he's one of the most clutch players in the NBA. I know he had the quote saying that, you know, he and the Thunder don't plan on losing uh, much longer this year. I'm with you. I don't necessarily think that they can sustain this long enough to get to the play, and that might not be their priority, but it would be entertaining to see if they were able to do that and maybe get some experience, kind of like the Grizzlies did a few years ago when they lost in the play-in at, in the bubble to the Trailblazers, then built on that, went to the playoffs as an eight seed, then jumped to the two seed uh, later on. I could see the Thunder taking on a similar trajectory with add another lottery pick, all the draft uh, at capital that they already have. And then they add another player next year in Chet Holmgren. So um, the Thunder uh, having Shea as their centerpiece uh, for the future, I-, I think is huge. And I think he deserves the all-star nod. Uh, I-, I knew he would be an all-star at some point, but I didn't know it would be this soon. So uh, excited to see him make that leap. And maybe he'll be a starter uh, in future years. Now we talked about the Western Conference backcourt. I think uh, we can be in agreement on a little bit in the Eastern Conference backcourt, but it's tricky. Uh, I know that the front court is trickier, but the East backcourt is pretty tricky. We can start with Mr. 71, lock him in, pin, Sharpie, whatever. Donovan Mitchell is a starter in the uh, All-Star game this year. Don't have to worry about him being the last pick uh, in the, in the dra- All-Star draft this year because he will be a starter. But after that, a few names deserve consideration. Um, and, and I don't know even where to start because they're all unique cases for each of these guys. So where, where would you even start with, with the with the second backcourt spot uh, in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you with Donovan Mitchell. It's a lock. Like, it, yeah, there's no point even discussing it. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for me, for me, so this is between three players for me, unless I'm forgetting someone. I have Jalen yeah. Brown, Tyrese Halliburton, and Kyrie Irving. In that order? Tyrese Halliburton, no, well, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Tyrese Halliburton, by the way, like the Pacers, everyone thought the Pacers were just going to be one of the worst teams in the league this season. They're not. They're a top six seed in the East. They've been way more competitive. And yeah, 
Bennett Matherin's been great. Miles Turner's had moments. Um, but he, like all, all these guys have had their moments, but Tyrese Halliburton's the guy who's kind of driving that, that train there. Um, he's averaging 20 and 10. He's knocking on the door of the 50, 40, 90 club. He's basically looking like a young Chris Paul, which I know you'll appreciate. Uh, <laughs> he's made that leap into stardom. So he's been fantastic. He deserves consideration here. Kyrie Irving is another one. I think the, the, the suspension that Kyrie had, uh, does impact his case here just because of games missed. Like he hasn't played as much as some of these other guys, but especially during this recent stretch where the Nets feel like they're just winning absolutely everything and no one can keep up with them. Um, he's taken his game to another level. He's been fantastic playing at an all-star level. He deserves consideration. I, I do still lean towards Jalen Brown. I had him at num. I had him in this spot when I first did my picks. I still do. I think he's just taken a leap this season. You know, he's already made one all-star team, but he has made a leap this season. He's been the second best player on the best team in the league. And yes, the Celtics have taken a little bit of a hit lately. Um, as of this recording, they're coming off of an absolute blowout loss to the Thunder, which is not a good look, especially since Shea did not play in that game. But Jalen Brown has just been fantastic. And what he's able to do kind of on both ends of the court, for me, I do give him the edge here because I do find myself also leaning towards, like for me, Kyrie, I feel like has just missed a few too many games for me to, to give him the edge over these guys, given how well they've played. And I do kind of feel myself siding more towards the the proven and the no in Jalen Brown over Tyrese Halliburton, just because Jalen Brown's been in the league longer. You know, he he's dealt more with teams game planning for him night in, night out in the playoffs, also in the finals. I do find myself just kind of like that being a factor for me. So I, I do have Jalen Brown here, but it is razor thin. I, I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad if if you said any of these guys, to be honest. So the, and I think when it, when it comes to Kyrie and the way the Nets have been playing. It's been a direct correlation with his return to the lineup and also appointing uh, Jacques Vaughn as, as the new head coach and removing the interim tag and, and minimizing a lot of the noise that was going on. Um, but to your point, I, I wouldn't even say that it was because he missed time due to suspension, but more so because he wasn't playing well prior to. Um, thinking about that that game they had, the, I think it was the last game that Steve Nash coached and he just didn't uh, look uh, like he was engaged and, and didn't play very well. And the team is much more united and a much more united front now. And and there was an awesome clip of, of Jacques Vaughn drawing up the play that Kyrie uh, used to hit the game winner in Toronto. So it's it really that really exemplifies where this Nets team is and how far they've come because I think that like two weeks into the season, we were ready to just be done with them there this experiment's over it's failed now they've at the time of recording they've, they've strung together i think 12 straight wins and like you said they are knocking uh on the door for the number one seed in the eastern conference and it's going to be a battle throughout the year it looks like it's a three-team race now at the beginning of the year we were saying buck celtics buck celtics well the nets are in the conversation and a big part of it is kyrie irving that being said i, I i'm kind of thinking halliburton um, you know, and 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 there's more to it that comes on on the second half of this when we start talking front court. But you know, you mentioned his, his 20 points and, and 10 assists average. He was leading the league in assists for a while now. He's since been passed up. But you know, I got a chance to see him and, and the Pacers when they came to Charlotte earlier this year, and it was Lamelo Ball's first home game of the year. And you know, their draft classmates, um, both point guards. 
different players, but you know, similar roles for their teams in, in certain respects. And and I just watched Tyrese Halliburton take that um, that 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 matchup personally um, and, and really show out. He was the best player uh, on the floor in a lot of these games um, in which the Pacers are winning when they're not supposed to win. You mentioned all the guys and all the guys who've been playing really well for them. He's the guy that gets everything going. And, and, and for them to be uh, in that top, you know, five six range. Um, that that says a lot. Now, on the flip side, what might what realistically is probably going to happen again, having to, to factor in you know the, the fan vote and and Tyrese Halliburton not necessarily being a, a household name. He is very sociable and very out there on, on social media, and he has a, a great brand that he promotes himself a lot. I don't know if he has uh, the cachet as a guy who is the number two for the Celtics, um, you know, that we know who the Celtics are. So, you know, while I think Tyrese Halliburton, maybe just because of, you know, the small market love um, and all of that, I think he, he he's my pick uh, right now. But I do think ultimately he'll probably end up being Jalen Brown just because, um, you know, what he's doing. And I don't want to gloss over the fact he's averaging 27 points per game and I think seven boards as well for a team that has, you know, one of the best records in the NBA. Uh, just just trying to spread out the wealth a little bit you know, among teams who will be represented in the starting lineup, um, which is kind of the perfect segue to talk about that front court because this is the toughest. This is it's it's somebody's not going to to start. It stinks. It's four guys for three spots, unless there's somebody else I'm I'm, I'm overlooking. But really, it's four guys, three no. spots. Somebody's somebody's gotta gotta get it. I, I think you know who it is. Um, in no particular order. I'll, I'll you know I'll say it in alphabetical order. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, and Jason Tatum. One of them can't start in the All Star game. They all deserve to. Maybe we should like rebrand one of them as guards because then it'll be it'll be more fitting. <laughs> uh, um, but, but where do you even begin to figure out which one of those four guys don't get to start in the All Star game? Yeah, this is the case for the All Star starters being position positionless moving forward because <laughs> yeah. these, yeah. I mean, the the MVP candidates, right? Like as good right. as Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, and Tyrese Halliburton have been this season, these guys are at a different level. So again, I think this is you can pick three out of these four players, no matter what combination. You're not doing anything wrong. No one's going to be mad at you. For me. Let's start with Giannis. He's, I, I think he's the best player in the league right now. We just did our player rankings. It was unanimous. 11, 11 of us voted on it. We all had uh, Giannis at number one. He's incredible. He's potentially the best defender in the league. What he's able to do as a rim protector, guard every single position. He's so disruptive on that end of the court. And then offensively, I mean, he's just so dominant around the paint. We're recording this after his 55-point game. Um, you know, He's really struggled as a – he's never been known for his jump shot, but he's really struggled with his jump shot this season. He has shown signs of improvements from mid-range and really that floater range over the last couple of years. And he's just – it hasn't been the same player. His free throw percentage is also down, and yet he's still averaging 30 points a night pretty easily. And then when he is hitting those shots, when he is hitting those free throws in particular, he's capable of going off a of 50-plus. Um, he's just an incredible offensive talent. He's really taken strides as a passer as well. Giannis, for me, is a no-brainer. Um, the other two is where it gets tricky. I, I think right now, just with how well the Nets have been playing, they've won 12 in a row. It's really hard to not have Kevin Durant in this position. He's been playing incredible all season long on both ends, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like Kevin Durant's yes. all, always been known as a, you know, one of a kind offensive player and a, a good defender. What he's been doing this season, blocking shots, scouting multiple positions. Like they, they had one game against the Mavericks where he took on the assignment of Luka Doncic and he was just, you know, really bothering him with his length. He's really, really locked in on the end of the floor this season, which I think has helped set the tone for this Nets team. 
Um, I, he's just he's just fantastic. It feels like every time he takes a jump shot, it's going in. Um, his passing has been great as well. So for me, I, I do find Kevin Durant probably right here. This is the hard one for me. I, I still, I, I still, I, I think it's Jason Tatum. Mm. He's been the best player on the best team in the league. Um, he is one of the best two-way players in the league. He's having a, a great season, averaging around thirty points per game. It's just, it's just so hard to keep Joel Embiid off because he he got off to a bit of a slow start this season when he had that that off-season um, foot injury, right? Um, plantar fasciitis, I think it was. Mm-hmm. He got off to a little right. bit of a slow start. Uh, he has been absolutely incredible back to even better than the Joel Embiid that we saw last year um, just scoring at an incredible rate I mean he scored 42 points I think it was the other night when Donovan Mitchell went off and, and Clay Thompson went off and it feels like no one no one paid any attention to it one because Joel Embiid can kind of just do that in his sleep now uh, but right. also just because there was so much else going on that night so he's been incredible the 76ers have also looked better it really, really hurts to not have him starting in this All-Star game. I, I feel bad, too, because it just feels like Joel Embiid gets to squeeze on everything, right? It's like he's All-NBA second team the last two years because Jokic is the MVP, and there's only one center that can make each, make each of those teams. And here he is again. Three out of these four players have to make it um, because of the positions, and I find him him getting the squeeze a little bit. But I, again, going back to like the second guard position, I think this is razor thin. I don't think you can go wrong with any three of these guys. Um, my answer could look different in two weeks, but I think right now I, I go Giannis Durant and Tatum. So I'm with you there. I think that um, it, it, a few more weeks or a few more days, honestly, of sustained play from from KD and Giannis kind of locks them in. And I do think it comes down to a back and forth between Embiid and Tatum. Um, you know, if the if the Celtics have a couple more lulls and, and Embiid has a couple more of those games, you're like, man, this this guy's routinely just you know going out and dominating because many could argue he is the the most difficult player or the most complicated player to guard in the league with his size, his footwork, um, the fact that he's playing off of James Harden. uh, All those things make Joel Embiid just – you know, a pain to deal with literally and and figuratively for teams because he's such a physical uh, big player. So looking at that and and, but I really want to key in on Kevin Durant because, you know, you and I just talked, you know, for a little bit about – the Jokic MVP case, and as we should, because not enough people do it. But it almost feels like Kevin Durant is, is quietly building this awesome MVP case for himself. And when everything was messy in Brooklyn, his consistent play was the only thing that they could rely on. And he stayed the exact same player through it all. And now Everybody else can kind of rally around that, and that's the center of why they're so good. And it's almost like you know we we did our New Year's resolutions for uh, the the every team in the NBA as our power rankings uh, on the Sporting News. So go check that out if you have not already. See what these teams need to be focused on in the new year. But what our colleague Carlin Gay said about the Nets is stay under the radar, and that's what they're doing. They've they've won twelve in a row, and again, you know whether it's a seventy point game or a sixty point triple double, all these things are kind of overshadowing uh, what the Nets are doing, and I think they prefer it that way. Honestly, they are uh, you know the little brother in that New York market to the Knicks, regardless of if the Knicks are ten games over. 10 games under or right at 500, which is usually the normal for them. Um, the Nets are still just doing uh, their own thing. And, and we'll look up and see that they are, you know, firmly, you know, at the top of the Eastern Conference. And they do have to, you know, kind of kind of wash the taste out of being swept last year. But we talked about this yesterday. You know, it was a competitive sweep, if you can call it that. Every game was by single digits. I know people it was as competitive a sweep as a, as a sweep can be. At, 
it was exactly exactly so i, I think yeah. you know if we're if we're if we're approaching all-star break and kd is still doing what he's doing health is a big part for him knock on wood that he's able to stay healthy this year he's had lingering issues each of the past few seasons um but it, it's just wild to watch him play at this level he's averaging a shade under 30 points per game uh shooting 56 percent from the field um and 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 he's shooting 36 percent from three and 93 percent from the free throw line career high and leading the league as well so you know seeing just how elite he is as a three-level scorer and the fact you know he's 34 years old and and still perfecting his craft uh, you know as, as a skilled offensive player and what he's able to do um I think he deserves a, a big spot in that conversation. He could be the guy that kind of emerges and, and wins the second MVP of his career if the Nets keep this up, if he keeps this up, and Jokic doesn't get that triple-double average. Yeah, I mean, health is a big thing for KD too, right? Like, he, yeah. he's been healthy yeah. this season and what he's been able to do on both ends of the court. It, it's also funny with him. I don't think it bothers me, but, you know, there was all that reporting on he requested a trade in the offseason. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you, does that factor into to MVP voting? Again, I... I don't know if I really care about it, to be honest. Like, we dealt with this with James Harden a couple seasons ago, where it's yeah. when he got traded to the Nets, you know, he, he, when he arrived, he was, he was absolutely incredible and worked his way back into the MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. But can you give it to a guy like that? For me, I, I just think Kevin Durant's been so good since day one. Like, you wouldn't know that he requested a trade at any point this season because right. he's just been locked in on both ends since the start, it feels like. And like you said, he, he kind of ke- helped keep them afloat during those tough periods. And he's just set the tone for him. But for, for that team. But it, the MVP race is just crazy. I mean, we've talked about it. It's like, yo, I'm probably going to forget someone because that's how deep it is. But Jokic, Giannis, Luka, Embiid, KD. You got Steph, who was playing at the level of his unanimous MVP season. Zion, Donovan Mitchell. The guy just yeah. went for 71 points in a game. We yeah. can't even get him in the top five of the MVP. Like, it, it's just, it's it's crazy, you know? And then what do you do with guys... LeBron's not going to win it. The Lakers aren't good enough. But the way that he is playing, um, Shea, you know, I, I think someone we haven't mentioned here who deserves mention just because he's having a great season is Damian Lillard. He has yeah. missed time with injury. But what he's been able to do after missing last a lot of last season with that abdominal injury, the level he's gotten back to, kind of how he's setting this tone for this Trailblazers team. You know, he still has his, his, special, his game time moments in the clutch. He's one of the scariest people. Uh, to to go up against in those situations. He's also having a great season, a guy who will, I, I think he's going to be an all-star this season. I don't think he's been quite at the level of some of the other guys we mentioned for that starter position in the West, but he's played well enough to be an all-star, absolutely. The MVP race is just crazy. Like we're going to be yeah. talking about it probably every single podcast for the rest of the season, just because you can. You can talk about it for 30, 45 minutes every single week because Luke is going to go off for a 60-point triple-double and then Donovan Mitchell is going to follow up with 71 and Embiid's going to have back-to-back 40 games. Giannis is going to drop 55 League's crazy right now. Absolutely. And, and another guy you talk about, you look at the top of standings, John Morant. You know, if the Grizzlies finish yep. with the league's best record, he's a guy who will be in the conversation. He was, he was a, I think he finished maybe sixth or seventh last year. So looking at that and, and talking about who's going to do stuff next, it'll be very interesting to see who's the next person to join the 50-point club, who's the next person to join the 60-point club. I wonder if we are due for another 60-point game this year. This this recent stretch reminds me uh, of last year uh, in, in March when they were, I think Cat had 60, uh, Kyrie had 60 and Braun had the 50, 250 point games. All those things happen in a span of a month. So it, it's a great time to be an NBA fan. And it's awesome to just like kind of tune in and see who's going to be next. I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you uh, who you think will be the next to do it. But we mentioned a lot of names who are very capable of doing it. Zion, Shea, 
John Morant. The same guys from the MVP discussion are guys who can enter that 50 point game discussion. They might even, uh, you know, enter it between the time you guys hear this and tune into the NBA again. So it's definitely a great time to stay locked in with the NBA and also a great time to stay locked in with NBA sound system. You like the segue right there, Scott. <laughs> Appreciate everybody out there uh, who is tuned in. Everybody that subscribes anywhere you get your podcast, make sure to stay locked in with us on NBA Sound System. We are here every week with the latest in the NBA. Looking forward to the biggest stories. We talked about NBA All-Star this time around. I think starters will be announced at the end of January, and we'll hear about the reserves not long after. So we'll have much more covering NBA All-Star leading up to NBA All-Star Weekend, which is Sunday, February 19th, 2023. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's edition of NBA Sound System. We will catch you back here next week. Have a good one, y'all.